Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, and the CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gerzer, founder of Herbert Gerzer Digital. Now, today's episode, we're going to be talking with Samantha McMahon, and we're going to be talking about a, a really interesting topic, and it's certainly a topic I noticed with so many of LearnCube's clients, which is sometimes people feel like this overwhelm with the competition, you know, whether it be in tutoring or in the language space, we, we see it a lot because, you know, these are maturing or matured markets, and so some people sort of feel this dip- differentiation is a hard thing to kind of manage. So the topic this week is really... How do you stand out in this highly competitive market? And uh, Herbert, I know that you probably see this a lot with your own advertising. Exactly. You definitely don't want to be put in the same, same bucket. Uh, You want to have a a unique offer, a unique brand, and uh, be the first brand that uh, people choose. So uh, excited to hear uh, Samantha's uh, insights. So um, let me just introduce Samantha McMahon for us. So Samantha is based in the UK, has been a tutor for very many years, but also has come from a background of both being a business trainer and uh, running her own business, which is called The Upgrade Project. Um, It's about uh, upgrading your education business and also co-host The Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. Uh, Samantha, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this. I I often find that it's a difficult space to enter with the tuition industry because so much has changed, especially through COVID, where we saw so many education businesses pop up. And mm. for anyone who's new, but even anyone who's established, it can feel a bit overwhelming because it feels extremely crowded. And this tends to be a lot of the conversations I have with people. They either feel a bit panicked and they throw everything at it without any kind of strategic thinking or they don't do anything and of course neither of those are likely to work so I'm I'm excited to deep dive into this and hopefully give your listeners something really actionable that they can go away and think about or do. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Samantha, we've got three main kind of headlines. And just to give our audience here a bit of a glimpse of what we'll be talking about, we're going to be talking about this idea of orchestrating the customer journey as the first point, we're going to really dig, you know, deep, uh, deep dive into that. We're then going to be talking more about this, promoting more than what you offer. And I think that was a great point for you. So I'm looking forward to hearing you speak more on that. And then also this aspect of promoting your values approach and even how you educate uh, your, your users and customers, prospects, stakeholders, and uh, the people around your brand. So, Let's jump into that first one. Tell us about this idea of being intentional around the customer journey. So with the customer journey, I think something that's really important to remember is that people don't meet us and instantly think, let me spend some money. (laughs) Um, It sounds really obvious, but we're all guilty of this. There are so many times where we promote what we offer without actually building any relationships beforehand. And, you know, typically this can happen through content. So if we don't market ourselves, which is where we help people get to know us and instead focus on advertising, which is where we're selling, then that is what we're expecting people to do. We're expecting them to meet us and just, you know, part with their money. So because of that, I think it's really important to understand the funnel concept. But because someone's journey through a funnel often meanders, it's very rarely clean. 
I prefer to call it a customer journey rather than a funnel. Mm. So if anyone isn't very familiar with the concept, I'll just very quickly summarize it. Essentially, someone becomes aware of you somehow. It could be through word of mouth, social media, a paid ad, whatever it might be, but they become aware of you. Now, for them to get to the stage where they will be ready to buy, they have to become interested first. And often these, this is through quick wins or just very easy to consume content because at this stage, people aren't going to work very hard. But then if you can move them to the consideration phase, they'll be willing to take some form of action. So it might be that they go to your website or they might book a call with you or join a Facebook group. They've made that effort, which means they're a little bit more serious about it. And then we want to finally, hopefully move them to take action that makes them a customer. So that's the general concept. And it sounds very ideal, but the truth is someone might say, book a call with you, say they're really interested, but they need some time to think about it. So in that case, they're kind of hovering in that consideration phase. So the journey is really straightforward. And if we just stopped there, if we didn't have anywhere to take our clients, then actually that's where the journey ends as well. So we want to really do this in a way. We want to think about our visibility as how can we stay on people's radar rather than simply how do I make sales? So perhaps a really relatable example of this journey, just to breathe a bit of life into it. Let's take Instagram as the place where someone finds you. The first thing they're going to see is your content because that's how the platform is designed. So Alex, you mentioned earlier about being intentional. This is the first part of being intentional is understanding how someone perceives you based on how they've become aware of you. So we want to move them to taking action to the next phase. So maybe you want to share content like three ways to do whatever or a day in the lifestyle content so that you're mo- you're getting people interested. They're getting to know you and weaved into that. You could talk about what you sell just so that it piques that new follower's interest. Now, if all of that has grabbed them, they're likely to take a form of action. And remember, we're thinking about Instagram particularly here. So that's likely to be in the form of them sending you a message or clicking the link in your bio, because that's how people behave on that platform. So we need to bear that in mind when we're providing our calls to action. So from that point where someone's dropped you a message or clicked the link, we want to direct them to take action that moves them to the next phase. So ideally, it could be to book a call with you or to press a button to buy something. But what if they don't want to do that yet? What if it's a really big commitment? Well, if you don't have any further options, then it stops there. But you could have something in the interim like a lead magnet or join my Facebook group, whatever it might be. So wherever they go next, that might well compel them and give them the confidence to invest in what you offer. So, you know, the topic here is really about standing out, being visible. And on that, it's not just about knowing, you know, people knowing who you are, but it's about creating a world that people want to enter and stay in. So, you know, for Upgrade Your Education Business, people can connect with me on various social media platforms. I have a podcast, an ebook, Facebook group, but for my tuition business, I don't. I just have a Facebook page and a fairly inactive group. That's it. So I'm not saying you have to have all these different moving parts Mm. to create this world, but if you're intentional and if you think about those phases, then you can make whatever you have really work. Is that standing out part then kind of about a little bit where you put your focus then? 
you kind of gave a couple of examples how like, hey, I don't have these things, but I have these things and I put my chickens in the in these kind of in these areas and these really work well for me. Like how does that again kind of going back to how do you stand out? Is yeah. there, there there's something a bit more yeah, a more practical step on that? Yeah, so a practical step, I would go away and actually think about what a typical customer journey might look like. Mm -hmm. Now, there might be several of them because someone might come in through word of mouth Mm -hmm. or you might be running paid ads. So I would actually think about that starting point and think, okay, logically, where can I take people? Now, with this, it's really hard, in my opinion, to be formulaic. So I'm, I'm, I'm restraining myself from saying, do this, then do Mm -hmm. this and then do that, because I don't think it's as clean as that. I think it depends because something we were talking about just earlier is that if anything is going to work, you have to be consistent to be Mm -hmm. consistent. You have to choose something that's sustainable for you. Mm -hmm. So it could be that your style is to run webinars four times a year. And that's your lead magnet. Someone else might say, actually, I prefer a PDF with an email sequence, or I prefer a Facebook group. So it doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing. It's making sure that it fits in with what your clients want and need. So think of it as this kind of bridge that you're creating. Someone is at a particular state when they become aware of you, try and put yourself in their shoes and think, if someone meets me through word of mouth, what mindset are they in? Versus if they meet me through a particular platform, then where do you need them to be to get ready to buy from you? And that's where you're creating that bridge. How you create that bridge is going to depend on your business, your style, your way of doing things and what's sustainable. Great. There's definitely not one one method that uh, works for everyone. And I, I love that because, um, you know, you hear about all these funnels and and all these strategies, this, this kind of three-step strategy to, to acquiring customers. But uh, in reality, every customer has its own journey and uh, every business is is different. So I, I love that. Um, yeah, that story. And it also seems, again, one of the central messages seems to be you understanding your audience better than anybody else, like understanding where they are better than anybody else. So you're talking at the right place, the right time and kind of following again on that. How do you stand out? Well, you're understanding your audience and able to talk to them in a, in a much uh, better way than anyone in a sustainable, reliable, consistent way. Yeah. Fantastic point there. So um, moving into that second point then, tell us a little bit about this idea of promoting more than what you offer because I think this was a big central piece of how you stand out. Yeah. Well, just just uh, circling to what you said just a second ago, you know, it is about understanding your target audience, but it's also understanding about the nuances So you can understand the target audience if you did like a parent profile, let's say, who are the decision makers. But it's understanding the nuances that, okay, how does a parent feel when their child is disengaged with that from their education? Is that who I'm working with? Um, So I think, yeah, I think you made a really good point. And it's just having confidence in our knowledge of the niche that we operate in. But when you're promoting more than what you offer... This is something, funnily enough, I find that larger tuition companies like agencies find a bit hard because unlike independent tutors or very small agencies, they aren't necessarily their brand or they offer a range of things which makes focused marketing quite difficult. But something I always say is to think of your business as a person. So if we think about ourselves, we have a personality, we have values, we have beliefs, we have a way of doing things, we have mannerisms. 
And all of those things give other people enough information to decide whether they want to be our friend or Mm. if they want to connect with us. So the same thing applies to your business. You want to convey your personality. How do you do things? How do you look after your clients? What's your onboarding like? So let's say you're an agency and you're looking for a tutor to join your agency Um, And you can apply this actually to any kind of client you want to attract. But with that example, let's say you wrote a post in a Facebook group saying, I'm looking for a GCSE maths tutor, must be qualified, rate of pay £30 an hour. Now, if I was a tutor reading that, the thing that would stand out is £30 an hour. And it would mean that I would apply to loads of agencies and go with who pays me the most. But if instead we had a bit of personality and I saw a post that said, I'm looking for a qualified GCSE maths tutor who's passionate about tutoring children who are struggling with their confidence. If it sounds like you would love you to join our family where we support one another with shared resources, we have tutor meetups. Now there, I'm excited about the prospect of joining this agency. Mm. Just from those few lines, that was about three sentences. I can see that they really care about their students. They really care about their tutors. And working with them sounds like fun. Now, the truth is the vast majority of agencies and all of us, really, we care about our tutors. We care about our clients. That is the truth. But we're just not always showing it. And showing people instead of telling them is really powerful. Um, Now, that's a concept that anyone who teaches English will be very familiar with this kind of show, don't tell. But let's say we are talking about these tutor meetups. Instead of telling people, show them a picture from a meetup. Um, you know, do little tutor spotlights where, you know, a subject specialist shares some useful tips that shows parents that you really do have these subject specialists who are great with children who make this impact rather than just telling them all of our tutors are qualified tutors, are teachers, and they are DBS checked. So it's showing and not telling. It's letting your personality shine through because we are all doing so much good stuff behind the scenes, but we're keeping yeah. it behind locked doors. And definitely leveraging uh, photo and video assets for that is uh, uh, an advantage. I agree. Yeah, I really like that idea of the person because, again, every we, we, when you think about it, every human, every individual is an individual. We kind of mm-hmm. get that, but we often forget that when it comes to the company. Why is it that we tend to kind of regress almost to the mean? How, why do we dry ourselves out? Why do we dry out that personality? Uh, Herbert, you probably see this, actually both of you would see this almost more than anyone since you kind of work with uh, companies at various stages. What have you found? I'll let you start, Herbert. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, I think we we spoke about this uh, recently, Alex, um, kind of doing what you've always been doing and and Mm. not not innovating because, you know, it's it's worked before for us and, uh, you know, let's keep on doing that. And, and then, you know, new ideas to possibly leverage other, um, new social media platforms or new ways of communicating with your audience are kind of shot, shot down or not, um, tested. Uh, and having that kind of an, an open environment where, um, those new strategies, new methods and ideas, uh, can be put forth from your staff member, from your team members, and then actually implemented is, is very important. I think also, you know, if you think about our space, this kind of education business world, most people actually come from a teaching background. And so, you know, put us in front of a class of 30 teenagers and watch us fly. Put us in front of 
a marketing platform and watch us struggle. You know, we, we, this wasn't part of the training. This wasn't the deal. And so I think that when you move into an area you're not sure of, so suddenly you're wearing this business hat, but you've never worn a business hat, you probably mimic what you see. And who do we see? The companies that are the most visible, which are the big companies mm. who can be impersonal. You know, right mm -hmm. now you walk down a street and you see the golden arches, you know, that's McDonald's. It doesn't even have to say McDonald's. We can't copy them because no one's heard of Samantha McMahon. I have to make myself visible and I have to tell people what I stand for. So I think a lot of the time it's because we're mimicking. Mm. Um, but actually, if we just go down to basics, if we think about, so I'm, I'm not that prolific on social media from a personal point of view, but when I see other people doing that, I've got friends who I've, I haven't seen for over 20 years. I went to school with them, but I can tell you what the name of their children is. I can tell you, you know, what they're up to because they are consistently posting about the same thing. And that is going into my brain and I'm, I'm absorbing that. And so if we just put it, if we just drill down to basics, it's about repeating your messages, showing it in different ways. And people will absorb it, even if they don't engage, even if it feels like, well, who's going to remember little old me? People will absorb it. And it's just having that confidence, I think, in that. Is another part that... um I've noticed it particularly at, at LearnQ when we've had uh, probably more early stage businesses, try, you know, wanting to build their business. And they're immediately like, oh, I want it to scale. And they kind of see themselves as a as a blocker rather than an accelerator to scale. And so they kind of resist putting their face, their name in the front because either they, are, they just don't like that, which is totally understandable. Uh, and or they have, a, I would say, possibly a mistaken view that, if they put their face in, they won't be able to scale the business. Uh, I've definitely seen this. I don't know if you've been able to see this, Samantha. With, I've seen it a lot with, with tutors and tutoring businesses. They'll they'll go from uber personality to the absolute driest, boring name for a tutoring company you can come up with. So uh, do you have any kind of comments on can a large business still keep its personality? That's a great question. I, a tutor comes to mind who I had the same conversation with because she wants to get ready to sell. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, I want to move away from this being me known for this brand. I think it's about, um, okay. So if I asked you, what are your values? You'd probably tell me what matters to you when you're making friends or if you're in a relationship when, but when you ask a business person, what are your values? Really what you're asking is, what are your business's values? Now, there might be an overlap, but I do think it's important to think of yourself as you and your business as your business and have a slight separation. There will be natural overlaps. Now, when you start thinking like that, it's okay for you to put your face and your name, even if you're planning to sell, because actually what you're putting across are values and you can change the face behind those values if you need to. Mm. That's not hard to do. You can do a transition as long as those values is what you're actually getting known for. So it's about thinking, well, what kind of footprint do you want to leave in the sand? What is it you want people to know your business for? Do you want them to know you for your face? Or do you want people to know you for your values and the way you do things and the quality of what you deliver? So I think if you separate the two, then it becomes less intimidating. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's again, going back to understanding the nuances, we are asking people to trust us with their children. Would you trust someone with your children if you'd never seen what they look like? Chances are you wouldn't, you know, so 
there has to be this human aspect to what we do. It doesn't matter how big you are for one person, it's their one child. So I do think putting your name and your face is really, is a really important aspect, but even if it's not yours, some of your tutors, if you're a larger company, the point is, is that you are adding a human aspect to your business. You are not a corporate, you're not impersonal. And actually that is part of how you shift the culture and the perception of how people view you. That was brilliant, actually. <laughs> I'm just kind of digesting that. I just think kind yeah. of, it goes back to, I, I would kind of add a, kind of a slightly more practical flavor just because, Herbert, you've said this to me, it's it's drilled into my brain. Uh, but just about the use of visual assets and how you build your marketing content, you've always been such a strong proponent of really authentic images coming from your team, coming from your mm. students, coming from your teachers. Uh, and kind of you've mentioned before as well, Samantha, about kind of providing that behind the scenes, like a practical way of doing that is ensuring that you don't use stock stock photos in all oh, of your, yes. uh, your blogs Ever. because... <laughs> That can't, you're not able to tell us a a consistent enough brand story that's personable Mm. and and human, which is, again, a word that keeps on coming through from you, Samantha, which I really like. And also is a a similar word that you use a lot, I think, Herbert, and when you're doing these, um, because actually I might turn this to to you, Herbert, because you actually work with very large brands and have to tell quite a human story. So how do you do that then? Sometimes it's quite quite difficult because again, uh, as Samantha said, a lot of a lot of larger companies hide behind a logo and mm. they forget that that human element. And when they do create photos or videos, it looks quite corporate and impersonal. They look like stock, you know, footage. And so, oftentimes, you know, when we first, uh, you know, onboard a one of these larger clients, we have to guide them and and educate them on how to take more authentic photos and, and videos so that we can use them in campaigns because yeah. those type of uh, assets will resonate more uh, with you know, your target audience. Uh, it comes across as more sincere uh, and, you know, it doesn't need to be polished and, and super professional and edited. You know, the more, the more real it is, the better. So um, there is definitely a lot of education involved with uh, larger clients and it is a, a big shift for them, right? Because um, they're so used to uh, taking these, these cor- having a corporate mindset. Yeah, I think when you start seeing people, you know, use t- either tutors or teachers' names, whether they use the names of the other leaders, they don't always have to be the CEO or the, the main leader. No. And allowing some other kind of faces to shine, I think is a big part of being able to convey a brand personality, not just a human personality as well. Um, so that gets us on to our last point here, Samantha, that you had for us, which is, you know, promoting, and I think it, this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about before, but promoting the values and the approach and, and sort of culture. And then you were talking about how you educate the people kind of viewing, you know, your brand. Tell us, take us through this. So, I think it's really important to understand the perception and objections, possible objections people might have to working with you. So, for example, I don't agree with this, but we have to accept that many tutors and some parents view agencies as being exploitative. They don't like that they take commission. Now, although I don't agree with it, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that that perception actually exists. So we have to work at tackling it. 
So I'll give you an example. When I started my tuition business, it was 2017. If I talked about group classes to parents, it was a no. I got a hard no because the perception was that nothing can beat one-to-one tuition. But Mm. now I have people on my waiting list who are specifically waiting for groups. They're waiting for me to set up a group that their child can access. So what changed? Um, COVID saw lots of groups pop up. People wrote blog posts about advantages of group tuition. But in my opinion, that's not what did it. In my opinion, what did it was that tutors educated the market by showing them. So this is that whole show, don't tell. They showed them the benefits of group tuition through success stories, social proof, pictures Mm. of group class in action. I love what Herbert said earlier that you don't have to have every picture edited at this professional kind of, it can be this raw image that looks, I mean, it makes a point saying this is real. So they showed people the benefits of what they were offering. They didn't just tell them. So when you're up against any kind of negative perception about what you're offering and you know how valuable it is, putting that value and the benefits front and center, I think is really important. And so You know, if we think about benefits instead of features, you've got that famous example of how you're not selling the drill, but you're selling the hole that it makes. So we want to think about, okay, yeah, yeah, we do take commission. Of course we do. Um, But why? You know, I often have meetings with independent tutors who say, right, I've had enough. I want to go it alone. I don't like that, you know, agencies are taking commission. But they get this newfound respect when they understand just how much work they have to do to make all of that happen. (laughs) So that's that's not a criticism on anybody but what it's what i'm saying is that if there is a potential objection don't be scared of it don't be sit there frustrated and feel like it's so unfair because this is the story and will always be the story of anyone who runs their own business there's always some kind of justification we feel like people are seeking but if we show them the value that we bring to the table then people are going to forget about some of those objections. Some people will, you know, staunchly, you know, believe in what they believe in, and that's fine. They're never going to be our clients. But there is a degree of education. People are sometimes scared of something they don't know. Um, you know, a teacher who's stepping into tuition, for example, they're used to doing their job, getting a full salary. They don't think about the salary that the head teacher's getting, you know, triple theirs uh, for running the show. They don't think about that because they accept this is the structure. But then they move into tuition, they go to an agency and they find it really hard to swallow that if I'm doing the teaching, why are they taking the money? Mm. But they forget that they didn't have to get the clients. They they, they mm. forget all of those things. Again, it's not a criticism, but it's our job to educate our market about why we exist and why we have a place in this market and why we're valuable. Fantastic. Herbert, I didn't have too much else to to comment on. I thought that was really well put together. Very insightful. Thank you, Samantha. Pleasure. <laughs> so, so today I, I've really learned a lot from you, Samantha. And a couple of points that I wanted to take away was first of all the three major kind of headlines that um, that you've kind of taken us through. You know, really being intentional and orchestrating that customer journey. I, I really like that concept of you know building a world that people want to enter and knowing what part of the journey they're on and where they are when they're receiving a message. I thought that was a great way of how you help your your brand stand out by being really sensitive to that and really talking to your audience better than anyone else, which is a big part of being competitive. The second thing, you really talked us through promoting, you know, more than just what you offer from like an education perspective, not just 
you know, what it costs and what you get, but also really thinking of how you can show your company like a person. I thought that was a really powerful way of getting people across because just like we make friends with different people, not all humans are the same, not all companies are the same. And we choose um, even, you know, we, we choose differently because of that. And then the third point you really brought home was this idea of educating you, your prospects, your stakeholders, even your tutors and, and, and the families that all kind of exist around those around your value and your culture. And again, that's quite different. It, every every company is a different cake. Uh, each of them have their own different ingredients that allows them to rise. And I've, I've really learned a lot from you on how to stand out. So thank you very much, Samantha. Thanks, Pleasure. Samantha. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, Samantha, where can people find more about you? And I, I think your podcast sounds exceptional too. Um, If you go to www.upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com, you can see everything that I offer. I have a few different options. Um, Some are very focused on tuition businesses and some are for education businesses. So anyone working in this space. And yes, I have the podcast, which is also called Upgrade Your Education Business. Fantastic. Herbert, where can people find you? Uh, At my website, herbertgerzer.com. And you can learn more about LearnCube at www.learncube.com. You can find out about our virtual classroom and all-in-one online school solutions uh, made for education businesses. Um, But before you leave, please hit that subscribe button. We really enjoy our discussions. I always find them totally uh, exciting and and valuable. Um, So also, if you're interested in keeping up to date, hit that subscribe button for the Get More Students podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again. Bye now. Bye.